Welcome to the Tax Breaks podcast, where the Osborne Clark tax team tries to cover interesting tax and tax disputes issues. In this podcast, I'm joined by Matt Green in my team, and we're going to cover some common issues for taxpayers who have a corporation tax inquiry. Why does it drag on for so long? And how can I bring it to a satisfactory end? Matt, um, this is an issue we see frequently, isn't it? It's, it's a particular problem where HMRC are asking for lots of information. A lot of information requests seem irrelevant or re- repeating what's been asked before. The costs in terms of management time and advisors' fees can quickly build up in these investigations. And delayed investigations also cause issues with audit and if there's a sale, can come up in due diligence. Yes, I mean, well, there can be all sorts of reasons why an inquiry can drag on for months and even years. So it's, it's difficult to generalise. Um, I mean, the relevant factors really can include the complexity of the issues, complicated fact patterns. Uh, perhaps HMRC have felt the need to consult internally or they're waiting for a judicial decisions on a related case. Um, we've also had more recently HMRC investigation teams being distracted by having to staff the uh, coronavirus job retention scheme. And, uh, and various other COVID support measures. Uh, so, so the more important point really is, is what can you do to get some sort of a breakthrough if things have reached an impasse? Yeah, and just to be clear what we mean by an inquiry, we're talking here about a situation where HMRC have formally announced an inquiry into a corporation tax return. There are some important technical differences, obviously, between the taxes and between formal and more informal investigations. And these affect things like time limits, information powers, and so on. Um, But the big difference, I suppose, is between VAT and most of the other indirect taxes and corporation tax, because, as we might discuss later, there's no ability to apply for a closure notice, although there are different time pressures for HMRC. However, in terms of how to try and get some progress from HMRC, a lot of the same principles apply across different taxes. So, uh, Matt, on, on, on some practical points, what can taxpayers do if they find themselves stuck with a long-running corporation tax inquiry? Well, probably the first thing is to explore how you can take the initiative. Uh, there's sometimes a temptation for taxpayers to be a bit reactive uh, when dealing with HMRC inquiries. So HMRC ask a question, you answer it, and you don't go beyond the strict confines of the question asked. Yeah, the problem here is, isn't it, is it, it's tempting to believe if you just answer one more question, HMRC will go away. Um, I mean, there are sensible reasons uh, for taking that approach. It's cheaper, it takes less time, but also really why raise issues HMRC aren't asking about? I mean, clearly there are simple cases where this will work, But for more complicated cases, I think it's perhaps an optimistic view of how HMRC behave. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree there's no need to invite HMRC to look at completely new issues. And and there's obviously boundaries between what's relevant and what's not. Uh, And you may sometimes have to be quite firm in directing HMRC away from the irrelevant stuff. But once you've got a broad idea of the areas that HMRC want to focus on, it's worth considering whether you can take the initiative and tell the whole story from your perspective. Uh, And I think that can save an awful lot of time in the long run and set the tone for the investigation. Um, Got an example? Uh, Well, I mean, a good example recently is an inquiry which we acted on concerning a cross-border structure, which also threw up some diverted profits tax issues. And instead of waiting for HMRC to raise 
the inevitable further questions. Uh, the client proactively put forward some pretty detailed information about its business model, uh, about the industry in which it operated, the global trends. So it helped explain why certain activities typically would take place outside of the UK. I think had they just narrowly answered HMRC's questions, uh, you can anticipate soon enough HMRC start formulating those questions to focus primarily on the tax motives. And they start building up a picture in, in their mind of avoidance, even if there isn't any. Yeah, the point here, isn't it, is that it's much harder to persuade HMRC that there isn't any tax avoidance once they form their view. It's better to get your side of the story in first. And I think it's it's really about remembering that you've got the benefit of that bigger picture and commercial context, which HMRC won't have. So it's really about explaining those things to HMRC. It's also true that getting to the bottom of the facts early on as opposed to what everyone assumes the facts to be, can focus the taxpayer side on what's really important and what's achievable. And in any event, not, not all tax inquiries are about avoidance. Some lengthy inquiries just get snagged on quite arcane tax mm. issues. You may be told HMRC are consulting internally with their policy colleagues or they're going to see counsel. That in itself entails unavoidable delay. Yeah, I, I think even then, though, there are things you can do. I mean, it can help, given HMRC's governance code and the litigation and settlement strategy. Um, if, if you've set out your own technical position in a persuasive and robust way, and that includes addressing and highlighting any weaknesses in the alternative viewpoints. So you're not just saying that this is why we are right. You're also explaining why the counter arguments are wrong. Uh, it's much better to do that early on. Uh, once HMRC have crystallised a particular view, uh, it can be very difficult to persuade them otherwise, especially as HMRC, of course, need to be consistent with all taxpayers. What if HMRC aren't, are just not getting their skates on? Being pro proactive either on the evidence or technical arguments, I think, helps a lot. But you can still hit a brick wall. The difficulty is you can't force HMRC to reply to a letter or review the information you've already given them. It sounds banal, but chasing HMRC regularly does actually help more than you can think. What about good old fashioned complaining to a senior officer though? Uh, well, I think, I mean, a justified complaint directed at the right person can help, yes. Um, it, it, but if it's just ranting for the sake of it, uh, you know, just to get it off your chest, well, uh, generally, that, that that can be pointless or even counterproductive, I would say. I mean, HMRC officers are human and react to how taxpayers behave. So uh, meetings with HMRC, I think, can help get some momentum into the inquiry. Um, obviously, they work better face to face, which we can't do right now. But, you know, even so, virtual meetings uh, are still helpful. And I think you can often have a freer conversation in that meeting environment and you can get more focus on the really important areas, too. And sometimes just having that meeting day in the diary helps to focus everyone's mind and efforts in the run-up. Yes, yeah, so one point we had um, recently, wasn't it, was on a matter where, um, where where the suggestion was that the client should also be at the meeting where we were going to discuss uh, technical issues with HMRC. Clients want to help resolve the matter, but from your perspective, is it always a good idea to have the people from the business who are involved in whatever it is HMRC are looking at, coming along and talking to HMRC? 
It can be if managed properly. Um, it's not something I'd rush into lightly. Uh, it depends on each case. Uh, I think whatever whatever the case, you certainly need to agree some clear parameters with HMRC in advance. So, you know, what topics they can cover and with who, that sort of thing. I mean, in the matter you're referring to, we were arguing that HMRC's quite protracted inquiries were, were uh, a fishing expedition and were blocked for other technical reasons. So if we'd have brought the client uh, to the meeting with HMRC there, then you know they could start asking the client questions, and that would have defeated the purpose of the meeting. Well, I mean, yeah, but in direct tax cases, we have, of course, a nuclear option, if you like, of applying to the tribunal for a closure notice. That's not available in VAT and most indirect taxes. But do you want to just cover the procedure and what's involved? You'd need to submit a, a formal application to the tribunal, asking them to effectively order HMRC to close the inquiry. Um, there may be a short hearing, a virtual one at the moment, uh, say half a day or so. So it's not always the cheapest solution. Um, in practice, what you've got to do is persuade the tribunal that HMRC have had enough information and enough time uh, to make their minds up one way or another. And sometimes the mere prospect of an application can actually add some impetus to the inquiry. What I would say, though, there's no point asking for a closure notice too soon. Uh, the tribunal won't order one if there's still relevant information outstanding or if there's good reason for HMRC to be taking its time, such as a third party information request. Yes, but, but forcing HMRC to make a decision doesn't mean they'll make a decision you'll like. There's also the risk that HMRC do get a move on and close inquiry, but with a result you don't like. Yeah, and a, and a closure notice application has got to be timed properly. So you, you want it to succeed, uh, but you don't want to bounce HMRC into a bad decision by threatening it. So you need to think carefully beforehand. Can I improve my position by offering more information or technical analysis? Uh, am I thinking about settlement at the moment? If the answers to those questions are no, uh, and you're prepared to go to tribunal, then you can start thinking about a closure notice application. It's worth remembering that even if you wind up with a closed notice you're not happy with, uh, at least you know where you are and you can then decide, well, what, what do you do next? Are you going to exercise your appeal rights or possibly make consequential claims to mitigate the tax position? So it doesn't need to be the end of the line if you're still dissatisfied. Thanks, Matt. Um, as we frequently discuss, all these routes to accelerate an investigation, whether it's coherently presenting the facts and the arguments, constructively pressing HMRC for progress or even applying for closure notices are all uh, simple to describe. The problem is applying them to the individual circumstances of an investigation. It's also true um, from what we, we see is that whatever is a priority at the beginning changes as the investigation involves. Well, uh, thanks Matt. That's all we've got time for in today's podcast. I hope you look you enjoyed listening and we'll listen out for other podcasts uh, as we produce them. Thank you.